certainly appreciate uh, the words that have gone before us. And in those, in those words, Brother Jake may mention at one point of the number of false gods, idols that have beset our people and our country. And probably not just our country, but the world in general. I'd like to read a series of verses for you. And then I have a few questions. The first verse I'd like to read is in Exodus chapter 12. Matter of fact, all three of these first three verses are in the book of Exodus. But I'd like to start in Exodus chapter 12. And we're going to work our way up through these three verses to uh, what is the giving of the Ten Commandments, or the giving of the law. And these three verses all have something in common, which I think you'll figure out as we go through them. Exodus chapter 12, verse 12. says, For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night, And will smite all the firstborn of the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. That's Exodus 12, verse 12. I want you to turn just a little bit farther over to Exodus chapter 15. Exodus 15. We're going to read verse 11. Exodus 15, verse 11. Keep in mind what we just read in Exodus 12. Exodus 15, verse 11 says, Who is like unto me, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like thee? Glorious in holiness, fearful in praises, doing wonders. So that's Exodus 15, verse 11. Now we're going to turn to Exodus chapter 20. This is the giving of the law, or specifically the Ten Commandments, if you will. Exodus chapter 20. But we're only going to read verse 3, which is really, really short. It won't take us long. Exodus chapter 20, verse 3. It says, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. So what do those three verses have in common? I got a clue? They all talk about other gods. That's an interesting, interesting comment. So with that in mind, the fact that they all talk about other gods, and I'm not shocked that Brother Jeremy got that, that response because we had this conversation not too long ago. But given the fact that all three of those verses talk about other gods, I have another question for you. Are there other gods besides Jehovah? 
Man-made. We're hearing it. Somebody said, yeah, we make gods every day. Somebody else said, man-made. The reality is the way I asked the question, if you had said either yes or no, you could have been right. It would largely depend on what you meant and your perspective. Okay? So let's consider for a moment, it would depend largely on how you define the term gods, would it not? If you define the term gods as a a person's first priority, which is where we were going with the man-made comments, right? People make gods out of all kinds of things. We make gods out of our wallet and our bank account. When earning a living becomes the number one priority in our life and gaining material things becomes the top concern, It becomes our God. Preachers have often said that that we can largely tell just how much somebody idolizes their own material situation by how generous they are in giving to the church. That's one way to see it. We can make gods out of other things. Anything that becomes our priority. Family can become our God. There are some people out there who take the approach that family is always first. Well, I got no problem with that as long as we're talking spiritually and not strictly by blood. You understand what I mean? So we can make gods out of a lot of different things. So in that sense, by that definition, certainly there are other gods out there, right? Let's take a different definition. Let's say that we define a God as something that is supernatural, something that that is more powerful than us, that, that would cause us to stand in awe. And then we ask the question, are there other gods? And the answer is, well, yes. I mean, if any of us came face to face with an angel... Or a demon, for that matter. We would stand in awe of its presence. And we, we know that because we see examples of that in Scripture. Where people came face to face with angels. They fell upon their face and they worshipped them. And the angels would say, stand up. I'm not God. So even by that definition, even when we define gods as something that are, that are above and outside the natural world, that are supernatural in nature, that are spiritual and have powers that would cause humanity to stand in awe, then we come to the conclusion that, yes, there are other things that we would call gods in that sense. And Satan himself is a fallen angel and the demons that are with him are fallen angels as well, and they are mighty and powerful beings. They operate and exist in many ways outside this natural realm. They are not bound by the laws of nature. Now, praises be unto God, as a side note here, Satan and his demons are bound by God. That's good news, by the way. They can only go as far as God will allow them. 
We know that because we see what happened with Job. When God says to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? And Job says, well, sure. I know who Job is. But he doesn't serve you for naught. And besides, you've got him hedged in. I can't get to him. That's what that meant. So Satan's activities are bound by what God will allow. And that is really good news. So we've established the fact that in some ways, no matter what we might think and no matter what our our initial thought process is, there is a sense in which there is this concept of there being other gods besides the God, right? There are many people who have fallen into this realm of of trying to understand spirituality and and Christianity that uh, that have fallen into defining things in terms of having these hierarchical beings. There there is a a, a God above all the other gods and all this stuff. I just want to give you a biblical perspective this morning. And I wanted to make sure that we didn't start out with a with a naive definition or thought, a childish way of approaching this by just saying, no, there's no such thing as gods besides Jehovah. There is, and the Bible speaks of them. We, we just read three specific verses that speak of there being other gods. We read about one that spoke of the gods of Egypt. And then we read others that spoke of gods. And then we finally get to the Ephesians or Exodus chapter 20 where it says, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Okay. So there is the concept of there being other gods. However, I would suggest to you that when we get down to defining the concept of God, in a biblical way, when we get down to defining the concept of God in terms of the God Jehovah or the God of the Bible, I would suggest to you that he is the only God. Now let me give you some scripture to support that. Let's go over to the book of Isaiah. We're going to spend a few moments in the book of Isaiah and and we're going to establish how the God of the Bible is unique, unique, we, we used that term last week, by the way, didn't we, when we talked about Jesus. It's not, a, it's, not, it's not shocking that we would use it in terms of God the Father either, since we talked about how Jesus was the only begotten Son of God, and we came to the conclusion that the only way that term makes sense, because Jesus isn't the only Son of God, because we are the sons of God as well, that the only way that term begotten makes sense is that if we, if we view it in the sense that it means he is the only unique Son of God, right? In the same way that the Bible describes Isaac as the only begotten son of Abraham, even though we know Abraham had another son. So it can't mean one and only, It must mean uniquely his son. And we all know what the term unique means. It means one of a kind, not one and only. 
So I want to I show you that the Bible just declares to us that the God Jehovah or the God of the Bible that we serve is unique. There is no other God if you define God the way the Bible defines God. Okay? So we're going to go to Isaiah for a second. We're going to start in Isaiah 43, and I'm going to read verse 10. Isaiah 43, verse 10. It says here, it says, Ye are my witnesses, saith the Lord, and my servant, whom I have chosen, that ye may know and believe me and understand, listen to this, that I am he. Before me, listen, before me there was no God. When he says before me, he doesn't mean in front of me. He means before in terms of time. The word before here doesn't mean proximity. It means on, a, on a, a, a timeline. And he says, before me, before I existed. Now, I know that's hard to gather right there because we already know that the God that we're talking about, we're going to come up with one of the unique characteristics here in a few moments. The God that we are talking about is an eternal God. And there is no such thing as being before something that is eternal. But that is his point, by the way. He says, before me, listen, before me, there was no God formed. Before I existed, there was no other God. And then listen to what he says. Neither shall there be after me. So when God speaks of himself and defines who he is. Last week we talked about who is Jesus. What are we talking about right now? We're talking about who is God. And when God speaks of himself and tries to give us some sort of concept of how to wrap our head around how he fits into the reality that we know and understand and beyond that, because we certainly don't know and understand the reality that God understands, which is an eternity, an infinite eternity. He says that there was nobody, no God, that existed before I existed, and there shall be no God after I'm gone. Why is that so? Because there is no such thing as a time before God existed, and there will be no such thing as, a t- as God being gone. He is by definition, the eternal God that is not only eternal, but is external to this natural understanding we exist in. And in that way, and in that sense, He is unique. Why? Because He's the only being The triune God, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost is the only being in existence that is not created. He has neither beginning nor end. Now, Jesus spoke of himself and says, I am the Alpha and I am the Omega. We talked about that last week as well and talked about the fact that why did Jesus use those terms? Why Alpha and Omega? Why A and O? Because those are the first and last letters of the Greek alphabet. 
We're so English in our thinking sometimes, we don't realize that other alphabets don't end with Z. I remember last year at one point when the, when the hurricane season got far enough along and there were enough hurricanes that we ran out of names and we started into Alpha and Beta and so on and so forth. And somebody said, somebody said on social media, man, I can't wait till we get to Zeta. You know what they were trying to say? I can't wait till we get to the end of this alphabet. Well, there's a problem there. That's not the end of the Greek alphabet. The end of the Greek alphabet is Omega. And by the way, there are more letters in the Greek alphabet than there are in the English alphabet. And I don't even want to talk about the Cyrillic alphabet. Because it makes no sense at all to me. There are letters in that that I can't even figure out how they're supposed to be pronounced. Not making fun of it. Those people are obviously smarter than me. To me, that's like the metric system. Why do we even do this? I was so happy the other day. I was watching a, a, but Jeremy will understand this fully. I was watching some woodworking type videos and stuff on YouTube. I came across this uh, English fence builder, United Kingdom fence builder, outdoor fence builder. I, our fence is kind of falling apart, and I'm trying to figure out how to fix it. And, and I came across this English, they do things different, by the way. But I was just impressed and shocked and so happy. Because, by the way, United Kingdom was where our imperial system came from, but they've quit using it for the most part, if you don't know that. We're one of the few countries left. But I was so glad when he started talking about putting his fence posts in and he placed them, and he said it this way, six feet apart. And I went, yes. I understand that. I know where six feet is. It's just so, so, such a blessing to see that, right? So listen to what it says in verse 43, chapter 43, verse 10 that we just read. Pay close attention to what it says. It says, before me there was no God formed, neither shall there be after me. Let's move just a little bit farther in the book of Isaiah, the very next chapter. Let's go to chapter 44. Let's go to chapter 44. You might not even have to turn the page in your Bible. It depends on how it's laid out. But chapter 44, let's look at verse 6 in chapter 44. Let's look at what God says about himself. It says here, it says, Thus saith the Lord, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first, and I am the last. This is the same statement, by the way, that Jesus made about himself. In the beginning and the end, I am the Alpha and the Omega. Notice he says, I am the first, and I am the last, And beside me, now this one's proximity, by the way. When we talked about before, it wasn't in front of, it was prior to. Now we're talking about beside me, and he does mean next to me. He says, beside me, there is no God. This is why I said when we started this conversation a few minutes ago, when I asked the question, is there such a thing as other gods? And most of you immediately said no, said yes, man-made. And I said, the way I asked the question, you could have said either yes or no, and you would have been right. 
Because yes, there is such a thing as man-made gods, which we have seen through those three references in the book of Exodus. There is such a thing as other gods in the sense of, of things that are not external or not eternal, but rather things that have risen to a level of priority in, in the lives of human beings. There is other gods in the sense that if we define things as supernatural and powerful and things in which we would stand in awe of, demons and angels, we might call them gods in our world. So you would be right if I asked you if there were other gods and you just simply said yes. You would also be right, though, if I asked you if there were other gods and you simply said no, because the Bible clearly says that God says, I am the last. I am the first. Uh, before me there was none. After me there will be none. And he says, and even beside me there is no God. Right? What is he saying? Is he saying there's no other beings that are more powerful than humans? No. Is he saying there are no other beings that exist outside of nature? No. What's he saying? He said that what he's saying is, is there are no other beings that are like me. And the, two, the main characteristic that he is laying out in these two verses is the characteristic of being eternal. There is no other being that is eternal. That is clear. You may not understand anything else about this, but understand this. These two verses that we've just read in Isaiah make it abundantly clear that outside of the triune God, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost, there is no other singular being that is eternal got it if somebody tries to tell you that well you know the god jehovah that's just one god there are other no there is no other being in existence that existed from eternity past and exists into eternity future god Jehovah, Yahweh, whatever name you want to apply to Him. And I don't think the name is all that important. He is the God of the Bible. He is eternal. Before Him, there was no God. Neither will they be after Him. And beside Him, He says, there is no God. In other words, there is none like me. That's what he's saying. And in order to, to bring that home, we will in a little bit uh, read some other scripture that kind of, kind of brings that home. But first of all, let's talk about these other gods. We've already kind of, kind of hinted at it, and I want to establish a few things. We've got about 15 minutes left, and I think we'll be able to do this in that amount of time. I uh, should be able to do it fairly readily. I've got three points I want to make about these other gods. Okay, And the first one I want to make about these other gods is found in the New Testament. So let's talk about these other gods a little bit. We've established that they're certainly not eternal, but let's talk about what the Bible says about them. So let's go over to the book of Galatians in the New Testament, and we're going to go to Galatians chapter 4. we go to Galatians chapter 4, and I'd like to read verse 8. Galatians chapter 4, 
Um, uh, I believe I've got that right. Maybe I don't. Galatians chapter 4, verse 8. Yep. Galatians chapter 4, verse 8, it says, How be it then, when ye knew not God... Everybody here had a point in their life that they did not know God. You may not like to hear that, but you did. It may have been in your mother's womb. It may have been when you were a child. I know most of you will tell me that you don't remember a time when you didn't know who God was. Uh, You don't remember a time when you didn't love God. Uh, Different people have different experiences. I can tell you that I do remember a time when I really didn't care. I'm not going to tell you that I hated God, but I do remember a time in my life when God was not important to me, when it didn't matter to me. There were other things that were far more important to me. I grew up wanting to get my slice of the world. I intended to retire by the time I was 40. I have failed. And that did not happen. Um, I'm just hoping I get to retire before I die. That's what I'm hoping for right now. That's all. That's, that's really, really what it comes down to. Like a couple of weeks where I don't have a job. That's, that's kind of <laughs> where I'm at today. But I, I, I remember that time. I remember looking back at my, at my, I can look back on my teenage years and early in my teen years, and I do remember not caring. And, and he says, look, he says, there was a time, he says in verse 8, he says, Howbeit then when ye knew not God, ye did serve unto them which by nature, he says, are no God. So this is the first thing I want you to think about when you think about these other gods. There's a sense in which we serve them uh, when we knew not God. But notice what he says about them. He says they are by nature not really gods. What does that mean? I don't... Here's the way I see it. Maybe I'm way off here. uh, And we'll get more, more... Clarity, I think, as we go on. Uh, These other gods that we serve when we knew not God, they they have no substance to them. There's really nothing there. They fail us. I mean, you can serve your wallet all you want, but at some point it will fail you. Matter of fact, right now, it's probably heading in the direction of failing all of us. I mean, inflation is on the rise. I remember the only other time I remember inflation being like it was today, and most of you know it, because we had a Georgia-born president. And I'm not trying to be critical of of President Jimmy Carter, but uh, he's a good person. Somebody actually said one time, if Jimmy Carter insults you, you must be really a bad guy. Because he's just the ultimate in niceties, isn't he? May not have been the best president in the world, I think that's probably a foregone conclusion at this point. But inflation was horrible during his presidency. And we, we are, you know, growing up, getting to be an adult, looking at different things that I had to deal with in life, especially things like credit. I remember back when we first got married, you know, it wasn't unusual that credit cards, especially if your credit wasn't extremely established, credit cards might have a 20 or 21% interest rate, Right? And that sounds horrible to some of you because, you know, you're thinking credit cards can be pretty low now. But there was a time when that was... Did you know that during the Carter presidency that, that mortgage rates got that high? Even if you had good credit. Right. 
mean, it was crazy. It's crazy. We're not quite there yet. But if you're watching how things are, uh, you know, how things are ratcheting up, give me some examples. Because I work in an international company. So we do business all over the world. And I'm, I, I manage part of a business here in, in, in the North American area, at least from a, from a strategic standpoint and from a technical standpoint. I've kind of taken on both roles again. But a few years ago, or a year and a half ago, I could load anything I needed on a container in Asia. No matter what it was, they didn't care. And I could have it delivered to Los Angeles, the largest port in the world, right? You know, in the United States in particular, in Los Angeles. I could have it shipped to Los Angeles, and it would arrive in, a, you know, just a short period of time. It didn't take that long, believe it or not. And I could pretty much do that for less than five cents a pound, no matter what it was. Given. So if I had a chemistry that cost me 30 cents a pound to make in China, I could have it shipped across the ocean, get it to Los Angeles for 35 cents a pound. That container cost, that shipping cost, in the last year and a half, has went up five to seven times. So today... If I have a chemical I can make for 30 cents a pound in China, I can get it to the port at Los Angeles for 65 cents, which means the shipping cost in some cases is higher than the actual manufacturing cost. Incredible. And you say, well, that's just China, right? That's just where, guess what? The same phenomena has happened for containers going from Europe to the United States. It's not just a Chinese thing. It's not just an Asian thing. It's an international inflation that's going on across the world. Now, everybody wants to blame our president for it, and I get that. And I get that he's not helping in some ways. But listen to what I said. It's an international inflation that's going on around the world. Now, granted, I know we have a lot of influence on the world markets. But the point is that if you're putting your hope and your trust in the, in the money that's in your, your, uh, your bank accounts that's been there for a while, let me assure you that it is worth less today than it was yesterday. And it will be worth, it's worth less today, way less today, than it was a year ago. And do we believe this will turn around? At some point, yes. We do believe it will turn around. But I don't know if it will turn around before you need it. Because I don't know what your needs might be. You might end up with an immediate need in the next several months. I mean, we do believe it'll turn around before the year's over, to be honest with you, before next year's over, halfway through next year. But we don't think it's going to go back where it was. Me and Brother Jeremy have talked about the cost of wood. It's ridiculous. It, it got, it's come down compared to what it was, but it was ridiculous there for a while. 
mean, we used to joke about the fact of how bad it got. I mean, woodworkers were taking pictures of the back of their pickup truck with three two-befores in it and posting it on Facebook and saying, $1,000, don't lowball me. I know what I've got, you know. I mean, it's crazy what happened to wood for a while. But it didn't come back down to where it was. So don't trust in what you have in your wallet, what you have in your bank account. These are gods that we create. This is our problem. We have these gods. There is no substance to them. When I say there is no substance to them, what do I mean by that? I mean there's, there's, there's nothing there. They're not trustworthy. They will, they will fail you. People make gods out of their pastors. People make gods out of friends. People make gods out of their homes. People make gods out of their families. People make gods out of their jobs. And the reality is all of these things will fail you eventually. People make gods out of education. Knowledge, technology, all of these will fail you. And sometimes people make gods out of supernatural beings that aren't the God, like Satan or demons or different things, and they will fail you as well because they're not God. There's no substance to these things. Let's go on to another scripture for a second. Let's go back to the book of Isaiah, uh, if we can, pretty close to where we were. If you should have told you to stick your finger there and and hold on to that because we're going to go back to chapter 46. Because not only is there no substance to them, I want to give you something else. And this is in way of comparison. Let's go back to chapter 46. This is a longer reading, by the way. We're going to start in Isaiah 46. We're going to start in verse 5. Uh, I think we'll probably read down close to the end of this chapter. But listen to what it says. It says, to whom will ye liken me? God is talking. We should listen. If God is speaking, we should listen. To whom will you liken me and make me equal and compare me that ye may be that, that we may be like? Pick something, he says, that you think you can compare to me. Some people might say, well, this doesn't sound very humble of God to speak this way. Well, he's God. He's God. He's not, he's not speaking out of turn. I remember when Michael Jordan was the greatest basketball player in the NBA. And I loved to watch him play because I liked basketball. And I could, I could see the skill that he had. And people used to get really upset. One of the things I didn't like when I was playing basketball was people who talked a lot on the court. But every now and then you'd run into that one guy who'd run his mouth, tell you what he's going to do. And then he would go do it. And you really couldn't get too upset about it. That was Michael Jordan. People who played against Michael Jordan said he, him and there was one other player like him, and that was Larry Bird. Completely different philosophies of basketball. But they said Larry Bird was the worst to play against because he would talk nonstop, and he would just tell you what he's going to do. Matter of fact, there's a story about Larry Bird where he got so mad at his own teammates they were getting ready to go on a West Coast swing. He'd gotten so mad at them because they were playing so bad that he told them in the locker room, I can play an entire game left-handed and score more than any of you all. So he did. <laughs> and it wasn't just one game. I think it was an entire series he played down the West Coast. Left-handed. He never took a single shot with his right hand, and he still outscored all his teammates. Now, Michael Jordan was that way. He would, tell, he would talk constantly. He was just one of those guys who just 
constantly was talking on the court, telling people what he was going to do to them. And, and the worst thing he could do to Michael was talk back. I mean, there's just tons of videos out there, if you want to go on YouTube and find them, where somebody gets on the court with Michael Jordan, makes one good play against him, walks away from him, and under their breath mutters, you ain't nothing. And that's the worst thing you could do. Because if you were playing Michael Jordan in three quarters in and he only had ten points in a game and you uttered, you ain't nothing, he would proceed to score 40 in the fourth quarter. It was just ridiculous the way he was motivated by that kind of stuff. That's not a lack of humility. When you, when you can do it, I don't consider that a lack of humility. And, and God is God. He didn't, you know, he, he's God. I don't think this is, a, is, is an issue of humility at all. It says, to whom will you liken me and make me equal and compare me that, you may be li- that, that, that we may be like? They lavish gold out of the bag and weigh silver in the balance and hire a goldsmith and, and, and he maketh it a god. There were people that this was their job in cities to fashion idols out of gold. And he says, they'll hire a goldsmith, and he maketh it a god. They fall down, yea, they worship. They bear him upon the shoulder. They carry him and set him in his place. And he standeth from his place. And he standeth. From his place shall he not remove. Yea, one shall cry unto him, yet can he not answer, nor save him out of his trouble. Remember this, and show yourselves men Bring it again to mind, O ye transgressors. Remember the former things of old, for I am God, and there is none else. I am God, and there is none like me, declaring the end from the, be- the beginning, declaring the end from the beginning, and from ancient times the things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure calling a ravenous bird from the east, the man that executeth my counsel from a far country, yea, I have spoken it. I will also bring it to pass. I have purposed it. I will also do it. So when we talk about these other gods that we've acknowledged do exist, and I've run out of time as always, the one thing we need to remember is that when we place them beside our God, when we place them beside the God of the Bible, they do not compare. One, they're not eternal. Two, they're not as powerful as our God. Three, they don't know what our God knows. They're not able to execute their will the way our God can execute His will. Money seems to be a powerful thing until it is no longer powerful. was watching a show the other day where they were talking about family. And they said, nobody knows somebody like family until they don't. There's some truth to that. It's incredible. Let's look at one more verse of Scripture and then we'll pull this to a close. Let's go to the book of Psalms for a second. Let's go to Psalm 115. Psalm 115. This will give us some idea of we're going to come full circle to something that Brother Ray said at the very beginning when I asked if there were other gods, and he said, yes, they're they're gods that men have made. Psalm 115, let's start in verse 3 where it says, But our God is in the heavens. 
He hath done whatsoever he hath pleased. Then it says, Their idols are silver and gold, the work of men's hands. They have mouths, but they speak not. Eyes have they, but they see not. They have ears, but they hear not. Noses have they, but they smell not. They have hands, but they handle not. Feet have they, but they walk not. Neither speak they through their throat. They that make them are likened to them. So is everyone that trusteth in them. So he says, man made gods have no power. They have no power to see, hear. They have no power to speak or walk. And the people that make them are like them. And so are the people that trust in them. That's a big indictment, by the way. So here's what I'd like to leave you with. You might say, well, good morning, that's the things that people fashion out of gold, or that's the people that are making gods out of their pocketbooks or whatever. There are those who worship other spiritual beings, whether they be demons or whatever. And you're right. And those spiritual beings like Satan, the people that worship Satan in whatever capacity they might choose to, you know, Satan does have ears, and he does hear. Satan does have feet, and he can walk. And Satan does have hands, and he can work. But may I remind you that he's still not God. Because the God of the Bible, and I'll use common terms rather than the theological terms, the God of the Bible is all-knowing. Did you know that Satan doesn't know everything? He knows a lot, but doesn't know everything. The God of the Bible is all-powerful. And you know Satan's not all-powerful. We've already talked about that. His, his activities are limited by the power of God. He only operates in as much as God allows him to. And the God of the Bible is everywhere present. Now, there are theological terms for these three characteristics of God, right? Right? There is all-knowing, omniscient. There is all-powerful, omnipotent. And then there is everywhere present, omnipresent. Our God fits all three of those descriptions, along with the fact, as he describes himself, that there was none before him, and there will be none after him. He is eternal. So if I ask you, are there other gods? In a sense, the answer is yes. But is there another God likened unto our God? And the answer is no. In the book of Deuteronomy, it says, their rock is not as our rock. And that is one of the most comforting things that I know of in the Bible. The rock upon which we stand is eternal and greater than any other rock that one can imagine. Trust in him and not in anything else.